Take your Bibles to Mark chapter 5, if you will. Mark chapter 5. We've just finished different series going through books of the Bible. And the rest of the summer, we're going to have just some individual messages. And here in Mark chapter 5, I've chosen a passage, verse 24, uh, down through verse 34. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. In Mark chapter 5, we have three impossible situations that Jesus is the solution for. We start off in verse 1, how Jesus and his disciples had gotten in a boat, crossed the Sea of Galilee, and they come to the land of the Gadarenes. And there is a man who lives in the tombs, who's demon-possessed, who no man can control, chains, fetters, they've tried everything. He is full of demons, and yet he runs to where Jesus is. Now, many people believe that uh, he runs to where Jesus is because at the end of chapter 4, we see that Jesus is crossing the Sea of Galilee with his disciples, and a great storm comes up, as is quite normal in that area. And that storm comes up, and the waves and the wind get so bad that the disciples come to Jesus and say, Carest thou not that we perish? He's sound asleep. He gets up and he just holds his hands and says to the wind and the waves, Peace, be still. And all of a sudden, it's gone. Now this crazy man who's full of demons is on the other side and no doubt he's seen a lot of storms like that. But never in the middle of a storm has he seen everything just dissipate like, and the water clear and calm. And looks down and there's a man in the boat going like this, and then putting his hands down. And he probably figures if that man can calm those waters, he might be able to calm my soul full of demons. So he runs and meets him, and of course, Jesus is the answer to his problem. He finds himself clothed and sitting at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. Then the second situation is uh, there comes upon him, they get in a boat and go to the other side, and as they get close to Capernaum, there's a man, Jairus, who has a daughter who's at the point of death. And he says to Jesus, please come. My daughter is dying and I need you to follow me and go to my home and heal my daughter. And Jesus agrees to do that. On the way there, he's met by a woman who our text will talk about, who has this issue of blood, who's had that for 12 years. She has tried everything and yet has only got worse and spent all of her money trying to get her health, but has no answers. But she meets Jesus, who in the midst of her impossible situation heals her, and her faith hath made her whole. Jairus' daughter gets worse, she dies. But it's good that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He that liveth and believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And Jesus brings her back to life again. It's three impossible situations 
of which Jesus is the only answer known to man. Now, in this passage of scripture we're about to read, we're going to read about this particular woman with that issue of blood. And I want us to understand as we look at God's word this morning, the Bible says this was written for our examples and for uh, us to learn from. Our admonition, it means our lessons to learn. So it's not just reading about someone who gets healed and we go away saying, well, I'm glad Jesus can heal people and that's great. And I'm glad he did that almost 2,000 years ago. No, uh, it's placed in the word of God because in that passage, God has a truth for you and me. That's why it's recorded. You see, the book of John ends with saying, and many other things did Jesus that I suppose that if all were written, the world itself could not contain the words or the books that should be written. I mean, Jesus was busy in those three and a half years. And he healed many, many people. But these were written, the Bible says, that you might have faith and you might believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So there's a lesson in this story of healing that God wants for us. Now, it's important to realize when we come to church that when we preach God's word, there's one truth and many applications. It's not like, well, this is what it means to me. What's it mean to you? The Bible says it's of no private interpretation. What it means for one, it means for all. But the application is specific to our life, and it's the Holy Spirit of God, not the pastor, but the Holy Spirit that drives it home to all of our hearts. That's his job. I don't know your heart, but he does. And it's important we understand that. For instance, one truth might be, thou shalt not steal. And to one person, it means uh, don't be taking material from work that you haven't asked permission for. Well, they're going to throw it away. I know, I know they're going to throw it away, but you still have to ask or else you've stolen that. And it may mean that to you. To another person, it may be you're working on your income tax and say, well, maybe I should add this income too. Maybe that deduction's not that legitimate. Thou shalt not steal. You see, God has one truth, but many specific applications to all of our lives. And so it will be today. And it's the Holy Spirit of God alone that can drive that home to all of our hearts. And by the way, that's one of the reasons why when a pastor reads God's word, he always tries to have a prayer because... First of all, he needs God's help. He's not preaching history. He's preaching the living word of God. And he needs God's help. But secondly, because only God can drive a truth home and make the application in your life. Pastors will suggest things, but only the Holy Spirit knows your heart, your life, what you need. If you're able to stand with me this morning, could you stand and let's look at Mark chapter 5 and we'll start at verse 24 and we'll read down through verse 34. You can follow on the screen or in your Bible 
And listen as I read through this. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of the plague. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer and then you may be seated. Father, speak to our hearts from your word. Give us a truth that would be helpful to us. I thank you so much, Lord, that we can look to you with great confidence, knowing that you will honor your word. It will not return void. And your Holy Spirit will use it to drive it home to the needs of our life. And so help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. So in this passage of Scripture, we're going to see Jesus meeting a need. And that's what I want us to see, how Jesus met her need. And there are several points I have for all of us to think about it. The first one is that she had a felt need, a felt need. Uh, And you know, that's usually how adults come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a felt need. Uh, Every Saturday we have men's prayer breakfast and we have uh, many wonderful men there. And we sure, sure, uh, sure enjoy going through the Proverbs of whatever day of the month it is. We go through that particular proverb and we share one verse that we read and God spoke to our heart about and Honestly, it's one of the best services we have all week. It's a great time. But I'm always enjoying men sharing every once in a while what brought them to Christ. And it's interesting that those who came to Christ later in life always came because of some need that presented itself. Maybe their marriage was falling apart. Maybe, maybe a health issue showed up that they needed God's help in So they gave their heart and life to Christ. But usually there's some felt need that brings them to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me just say, that's not unusual. God uses circumstances in our life to bring us to that place that we're willing to listen to God. And we're willing to receive Christ as our personal Savior. People have felt needs. In 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1, the Bible tells us about a man who had a need. And 
His name was Naaman. It was interesting, in Sunday school, uh, Jean Pardella, the teacher of our class, talked about Naaman as well. But it says, now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. And then it says, but he was a leper. He had leprosy. He had all these things going for him, all these accolades the world could put on his shoulders, but he was a leper. He had an incurable disease that forever would banish him from other people, especially if he was Jewish. Now, he's not, but the Jewish law said he has to be isolated because if you get leprosy, there is no cure. And it was no easy disease to die of. I've I've been to leper colonies on several occasions and you see people missing arms and legs and noses and ears and fingers and uh, that's what leprosy does. It eats you away gradually because you lose the nerves and then the tissue dies and they, it either wears off or they just have to clip off the bone that's sticking with no flesh on it. It's a tragic thing. Now, today... We have medicines, and it's curable. But back then, there was no such thing. In 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 1 and 2, we find someone else who had a felt need. And the Bible says, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elijah, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that my servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take away, take him, my two sons, to be bondsmen. She said, my, my husband was a prophet, he was a preacher, he died, and, and, and we have debt. And now the creditor's coming, and they're going to take my boys into slavery to pay off the debt. And if you know what happened, then they never got out of debt. They're taking my boys, I'll never see them again. And then it goes on, and Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Now, she'd already done her best. She'd had her garage sales, you know, and she had everything in the front yard. And it's all sold, but she still cannot pay off the debt. And the creditor's still going to take her two sons. She has nothing but a pot of oil in the house. She has a felt need, if you will. In Luke chapter 15, verses 14, 15, and 16, the Bible says, And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. That's a Jewish boy feeding the pigs. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Here's the story of the prodigal son. And we know he went out full, but he wasted it all with riotous living. And now he is without even means to buy a meal and provide for himself. And he's about to eat with the pigs And there's a reason they call it slopping the pigs. 
How many have ever slopped hogs? Well, see, I didn't see any young hands. Where's the, oh, well, anyway. And you know, it doesn't look appetizing. It doesn't even smell good. (laughs) It's whatever you have left. And you put it all together and mix it together and the pigs eat it. And he's about tempted to eat that. He had a felt need. Here's someone else in Mark chapter 10, verse 46 and 47. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now here's a man who's blind and He has a felt need. Let me ask you this question. Who do you know in your life that has a felt need right now? You may be here this morning and say, well, it's me. Well, that may be. But who do you know that does not know Jesus? Who do you know that maybe you're related to or a friend of yours, but you've tried and and it's just like, well, they're not interested. I've tried to share the gospel. They just say, no, they shut me down every time. They're just not interested. And it could even be some that were raised up in your own family and they've just sort of shut the door to Jesus and I don't need that. I don't want that. But let me just say God's not through with them. And it's amazing how when people have a felt need, it's amazing how when their marriage is falling apart and going down the drain, they're willing to listen to what maybe Jesus could do. It's interesting that when people's health get to that place where the doctor says, there's, uh, I, there's nothing I can do. I'm, I'm sorry, that we, we, we just can't do anything. We, we can keep you comfortable. But, but that's all we can offer. That all of a sudden people might listen to what God has to say. On many different occasions I've had the joy of leading people to Christ knowing it was the last week of their life and in some cases the last day of their life. But fortunately they were willing to listen. Even the thief on the cross was willing to listen to Jesus. And this day shalt thou be with me in paradise. It paid off, right? Now, don't run people down the road because they have felt needs. That's just very common. That's a human condition. And God uses circumstances to bear on our life. Someone said you could lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And someone else says, yes, but you can salt its oats. Make him really thirsty. And God has a way of making us thirsty to hear about the living water, to hear about the Savior of the world, to hear about what Jesus could do in a life. Let me just say, if you have a loved one, don't give up on them. Keep on trying and keep getting shut down, but there'll be a day in their life that they don't have an answer for life's problems. All of us get there. We just don't have answers for this situation. But Jesus is always an answer. 
And though he may not heal everyone, he will ultimately heal anyone who places faith in Jesus Christ. And we'll be in heaven forever and ever and ever. We have felt needs, and you know people with felt needs, but the greatest need we have unknown to us is not always felt. It's not always a felt need, but we all have a need for Jesus. You see, this lady knew she had declining health, but what she didn't know is she needed the Savior. She just needed the healer, but she found both. In John chapter 8, verse 24, it says, I say therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. You see, we have a need that's greater than our health and greater than our marriage and greater than our relationship. We have a need of eternal life because we are doomed to hell without Jesus Christ. He is not an alternative good choice. He is the only, only answer for missing hell and going to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's not an option. He's the only alternative. Luke chapter 10, verse 29 says, or verse 20 says, Notwithstanding in this rejoice, not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And praise God, the very instant you trust that Christ is your personal Savior, your name got written down in God's book called the book of life in heaven. And praise God, when he wrote your name down, he wrote it in indelible ink. Not to be erased. Now, I know that probably some of you, if not many, many here in the Northwest especially, uh, believe, well, I, yeah, I know I'm saved, but yeah, but you know, if I mess up now, uh, he's going to erase my name, and then, of course, uh, I'll repent, and I'll get right, and and then I'll be right with God again so he can write it again uh, until I mess up and then he'll have to erase it again. And, and then I'll try harder and, and I'll be more sincere and I'll get it right with God and repent. And then he'll write my name again. And, and then I hope I don't mess up. But if he does, he'll have, listen, if God did that, I'd have a hole where you write my name. You ever erase the paper so much you go through the paper? Praise God, when he wrote your name, it wasn't based on your merit. It was based on his. He's not trusting your grip. You're in the palm of God. You're trusting his grip, not yours. Amen. When you got saved... He sealed you to the day of redemption, the Bible says. This last week I was sharing the gospel with some people. and um, I got to lead four people to Christ, but I, was, I always tell people, I said, now, you've trusted Christ as your Savior. When you prayed that prayer, I said, it's like you open up your heart and you let Jesus come in. And the good news is that when he came in your heart, he didn't come to check you out or he'd check out. He came in forever. Now I said, as long as you're in this flesh, you're going to mess up. 
I don't care what your theology is, you're going to mess up. You can tell the people, oh, no, not me. I've reached that state where I don't mess up anymore. He that saith he have no sin is a liar and the truth is not in him. Yeah, we do. But I, I always say that. I said, but when Jesus died, he died for all your sins. Listen, when I'm 80 years of age, I, now some of you are older, but when I'm 80 years old, I, I can still do wrong. I might not do a lot of wrong, but I can sure think the thoughts. I heard of a man a few weeks ago I was reading, and a pretty woman walked by, and he, he was just going like that. And the guy said, listen, you've been a Christian all this long and you're in your 80s. Why are you watching that woman? He said, I can't remember. (laughs) I know I'm supposed to, but I just can't remember why. (laughs) Yeah, you're laughing. You'll get that old one day. (laughs) But praise God, he died for all. But I added this when I give that assurance. I said... I said something I never said before. I said, Jesus Christ did not die to perfect you on earth. He died to present you flawless in the presence of his Father. And by the way, when you trusted Christ in heaven, that's how God sees you that moment as flawless. And I said, when when God the Father looks at you, he sees all of your sin. I said, but when you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior... Jesus is in you. All he sees is Jesus and his righteousness. He doesn't see you with all your sins because the blood of Jesus Christ covers that and passes that away. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 says, But the fearful and unbelievable unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters. And we say, well, I'm glad I'm not of any of that. And then it says, and all liars. Oh, that got me. I haven't been a sorcerer lately. Haven't been bowing down and worshiping idols lately. Not even a bass boat. I haven't done it. But yeah, I have lied. How many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? That's why the Bible says the wages of sin, singular, is death, not sins. We're all doomed. So we don't always have a felt need, but we have a great need, and that need is a Savior, because without Jesus Christ, hell has become our destiny because we are lost in transgressions and sins and we have no hope whatsoever of personal righteousness. And even if we turned over a new leaf, it wouldn't help us because our whole tree is rotten. We have to be born again. And only Jesus Christ can do that by the Spirit of God. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from, and I love this word, all sin. All sin. Listen, I don't care what your theology is, if Jesus Christ didn't cleanse you from all sin, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. If it's 1% left up to you, you're in trouble. And you never have hope 
or confidence that heaven is your eternal home. It's always, I hope so. God doesn't want you to have a hope so salvation. He wants you to have a no so. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Amen. Wow. Praise God for that. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, and without spot, Jesus alone is the sinless sacrifice. You and I would never, ever, ever qualify. It would be hopeless for us to stand before a holy God, but what we stand there with God, having our sins forgiven and our souls redeemed by Jesus Christ alone. It's a powerful thing. She had a felt need. Let me hasten and say, someone told her about Jesus. In verse 27, uh, the Bible says, and when she had heard of Jesus, somebody told her. Here's this woman suffering. And listen, think about this. She's probably suffering all alone. Had she had this ailment or this disease back in the Old Testament, she had to be isolated because when you had a blood disease like that, you were not allowed, just like leprosy, not allowed to be out in the public, not allowed to be in, in, with others. She has been in COVID shutdown for 12 years. No wonder she's at the end of her rope, Right? No friends, no fellowship, no family, no one around because of what she has. But somebody, somebody heard about Jesus and somebody thought of her and somebody came by and knocked on her door and maybe, maybe they backed up when they knocked on her door because she's contagious, maybe, I don't know. Hey, Mary, I just want you to know I, I, I heard about someone who could help you. And Mary says, I've tried all the doctors in town. I've tried all the doctors in the country. I've wasted all my money. I couldn't afford it if you found them. But yeah, but I found someone who'll do it for free. I have someone who doesn't charge for his services. I have someone that could heal you. Why, Mary, I've heard that he makes blind eyes see. I've heard that he makes lame legs walk. He stretched forth withered arms and they became his whole. And Mary, I've heard he has the power. He's raised people from the dead. He is so powerful. Mary, he's going to be in town today. You need to see him. Someone told her about Jesus. And listen, there's people in our life we need to tell There's people in our life, oh, I've tried to, I've tried, they just shut me down. Wait till there's a felt need. And they might be willing to listen. Don't you give up on people. God hasn't yet. You keep looking for people who need Jesus. Your loved ones, your family members, your relatives, your coworkers, your friends, don't give up on them. 
They're just waiting till there's a need they don't have an answer for. And that's a good time to talk about Jesus. He can help them. No wonder she went. Someone told her about Jesus. In Mark chapter 5, verse 27, it says that. Back in Naaman, it says in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 2 and 3, and the Syrians had gone out by companies and brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife, and she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with a prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of the leprosy. Here's a little girl been taken into slavery. She's a maid of, of Naaman's, Naaman's wife, and she says, You know, he needs to get with this prophet in Samaria. He could heal him. She shared the good news. Someone told his wife about someone who could help her husband. In Mark chapter 10, verse 47, it says, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, this is blind Bartimaeus, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And he cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they said, be quiet, be quiet. Blind Bartimaeus, be quiet. You're messing things up. You're being rude. You should be quiet. There's other people around Jesus. Why are you making a fool of yourself? And he kept crying the more, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And finally Jesus stopped and said, bring that guy to me. Hey, listen, if you need Jesus, don't worry what other people think about you. You just get to Jesus because he's the answer and he's who we need. We need to know what he can do and who he was. John the Baptist says in John chapter 1 verse 32 through 34, And John bare record and said, I saw the Spirit from heaven like a dove and it abode on him, and I knew him not, but he that sent me, God, to baptize with water, the same said unto me, unto whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remain on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw him and bear record that this is the Son of God. John says, this is the Son of God. We need to know who he is. He's not one of the great spiritual leaders of the world. He is the only one, the only one that can meet the requirements that God has given on mankind. The only perfect person, the only perfect sacrifice, the only person God in flesh that could absorb the sins of all humanity for all ages because he's God in flesh and he is immense and he can soak up all mankind's punishment in a few hours on the cross. Because he's infinite, he's God, who he was, what he could do. Matthew chapter 11, verses 4 and 5, the disciples of John the Baptist come to him. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the leopards are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Oh, that's wonderful. 
Acts chapter 4, verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He's not an option. He's the only option for our salvation. He's not a Muhammad. He's not a Buddha. He's not a a Muhammad Gandhi. He's not a religious leader. He is the Son of God who alone Bring salvation to the world. We have a felt need, but we have a need that's greater than that. And that's to have a right standing before God that we only get through Jesus. We only get through Jesus. You can read your Bible through every month of the year, as long as you read 50 chapters a day. But it doesn't make you any more Christ-like. The only thing that makes you Christ-like is trust Christ as your Savior. Now you have his likeness. Now, I don't want to make light of Christian growth because we all ought to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as the Bible tells us. We want to be a growing Christian. But that's not what saves us. That's what puts us in the will of God so we can be used by God and be at his disposal. Be his servant. The third thing I want to see is she acted on what she heard. And that has to happen to all of us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We have to place our faith in Christ. Some hear the gospel and go away with nothing. Some hear the gospel and they respond and say, I want that. And they trust Christ as their personal Savior. They place faith in Christ. And that's what we have to do. We have to respond. Most of us here have acted upon that. That's why you come here on a Sunday morning. But it may be you have not done that. And having heard that Jesus is your only hope, would you please place your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? But... What I want to mention is, are we letting others know that good news? You know, there are people who will still respond to Jesus if we'll speak about Jesus. There are still people who will get saved around us. In June, we went to Honduras and over 200 people got saved. Uh, Two weeks ago, we had vacation Bible school. Over 200 children got saved. This last week, people were out and people got saved. They're everywhere. You just got to find them. Now, we don't always know where they are. We don't always know who's going to accept Christ. But let me give you a little clue. If you have something, a piece of paper called a gospel track, (laughs) I should have one in my pocket, but I don't. You have a gospel track. And you knock on a door and say, hello, I'm from Grandview Baptist Church. We're visiting the area. We'd love to invite you to church. So they, they go, oh, thank you very much and appreciate that. And you say, well, God bless you. Have a good day. You go and knock on the other door. And like nine out of ten doors, nobody's home except their dog's barking. And then you go to another door, knock on the door. Someone comes there and say, hello, I'm from Grandview Baptist Church. Say, yeah, thank you. Uh, appreciate it. And you say, well, God bless you. Have a good day. But then you knock on a door and you say, hello, I'm from Grandview Baptist Church. I'm visiting the area and we have a brochure for you. And they look at it and say, oh, 
If you say the word church and they're still standing there, it means God's dealing with their heart. They're either one of two things. They're either a Christian looking for a church or they're a person who says, you know, I went to a funeral last week of a dear friend and I've been thinking about that. My wife and I, we need, we need to get in church. I've I just been thinking about that. You know, my wife, uh, she's got cancer. and we've, we've, we've been thinking. We've been thinking about God. You know, my wife and I, we're, we're not getting along very well. It's not very healthy and I don't know what to do. But, you know, I've been trying to reach out and talk to God. It's strange that you would show up at my door, invite me to church. And I always say, you know, church is a wonderful place to be, but church won't get you to heaven. Only Jesus will. I bet you want to go to heaven when you die, don't you? Yeah, I sure would. You know, you're in luck. Because I know how to get there. And I can tell you. And then I'll take that track and show them just some Bible verses, how they can receive Christ as their Savior. Listen, there's people all around us, but we have to speak up a good word for Jesus or this lady had, would never have heard, never have heard except someone cared enough for her to get the truth to her. She had to respond. Naaman acted on what, she heard, what he heard and was washed in the River Jordan. The prodigal acted on what he knew and went back to the father. By the way, I said this morning in the 830 service, so let me just throw it out. Uh, parents, if you've got, a, older, if you've got a, a child that's older and they're like prodigals, you know the wonderful thing when the prodigal came home, dad was still there? You keep in church all your life. You go to heaven attending church. Last week, a dear lady, and she comes here most, most weeks, but she's 101, still coming to church. It's got a sharp mind. Listen, when your prodigal children want to come back, they need to make sure dad and mom are still serving God like they used to when they left home. Stick around. You'd hate the prodigal to come back and say, where'd dad go? I came home for dad, but... He's not here. You got to stay placed, stay in place. She acted on what she heard. Blind Bartimaeus responded and cried out. The last thing I want to say is Jesus responded to her faith. And that's in verse 34. The Bible says, and he said unto her, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Ah, it's so wonderful. Jesus can meet our needs. Not always the physical. But the Bible says he came to seek and to save that which is lost. Not to heal every disease we have. Not to make us perfect. We are in a sin-cursed world and any dedicated, God-loving Christian can get the worst disease like anybody else. Because it's the environment of a sin-fallen world that we live in. But praise God, we go to a perfect place. No sin, no disease, no separation, no more tears, 
No more heartbreaks. And Jesus always will. In John chapter 6, verse 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. There's never been a seeking sinner come to Jesus and he said, You're not good enough. Go ahead. Leave. Leave. No. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, Wherefore he is able also to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He will save to the uttermost anyone who comes to him. The modern founder of the Union Gospel Mission started in Chicago. He was an alcoholic. He was the worst kind. His two-year-old daughter died, and he went at the viewing and went and looked at the little coffin there with his two-year-old daughter, and he reached off and took off her shoes so he could sell them for another drink. He was contemplating taking his hopeless life and ending it all when he heard some young people singing and someone preaching on a corner in Chicago from the Moody Bible Institute back many, many years ago when they used to do that every single week. And he gave his life to Jesus and he started Union Gospel Missions and they're in any metropolitan city in in America. And he used to quote that verse where it says, he will save to the uttermost. He would change it and he said, he will save to the guttermost because that's where he found me, in the gutter of life. If you need Jesus, he'll save you. Years ago, we had a good godly man. Uh, His name was Joe Fowler. He's been in heaven for several years now. But Joe would come and sit in the middle near the aisle there. And uh, Joe came for week after week after week. And so I was talking to him after the service one time. I said, Joe, I said, uh, let me ask you a question. You know if you die today, you go to heaven? He said, no, I'm, I'm not going to heaven. I said, well, Jesus, I said, Joe, have you thought about giving your life to Jesus Christ? He said, yeah, I thought about it. He said, but pastor, I've been too wicked. God, God, God couldn't save me. I said, Joe, yes, he could. And I told him about the thief on the cross, how, Je- how he had nothing to offer Jesus. But Jesus said, this day shalt thou be with me in paradise. He said, well, pastor, he said, I've, uh, I've been in prison for 38 years. Now, I never asked him why, but I figure it wasn't for jaywalking. <laughs> In the 830 service, one of our members came up and said, I asked him the same question. He said, well, I, I went to prison for 38 years for two murders, but he said one of them I didn't do. Well, that's good to know. Uh, <laughs> in case you're the other one, but... You know. But one Easter morning, I was preaching the gospel... And he stepped out and he was the first to come down and I met him. I said, Joe, are you coming to receive Christ as your Savior? I said, yes. He said, yes. And I said, what happened, Joe? He said, I don't know. He said, but I was sitting back there and Jesus got a hold of me. And he said, and I want to get baptized too. I said, we can arrange that. He said, I mean today, we can arrange that. He got saved and baptized, by the way, became one of the greatest guys you'd ever know. Godly. In the last days, he had lung cancer. He'd come to church, 
How are you doing, Joe? Wonderful. You any pain? He said, well, yeah. Yeah, I'm in pain, but I'm going to see Jesus one day, Pastor. I'm okay. I'm just fine. And you and I who have trusted Jesus, we know that no matter what happens, we're okay. Because we're going to be with him for all eternity. But you and I also know some people that can't say that. I want to tell you this morning, don't give up on them. You share the gospel not as an alternative, but as mankind's only hope is Jesus. That's why we must speak of him, because everyone needs him. Whether they have a felt need or not, we all need Jesus. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're here this morning and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, would you just think a minute about people maybe in your life that are not believers? They have that incurable disease of sin that all of us had before we met Christ. We still have sin, but we found the cure. We found the forgiver of our soul. But you know people that have not yet trusted Christ as their Savior. Don't give up on them. Would you pray for them? Would you look for times in their life where it looks like they need something and they don't know what they need, but what they need is Jesus at that precise time. And would you also try to share Jesus to people you meet because you never know who has a need right then that you know nothing else about. And if you're here this morning having never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you place faith in Jesus? And if you're watching online and you're not sure you're a believer, would you invite Christ in your life? If you have a heart that believes that Jesus is the Son of God, He died for your sins, He rose triumphant from the grave three days later, and you want Christ in your life, would you just pray a simple prayer like this? Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I ask you to save me. I believe in you, Jesus. I trust you as my Savior. I ask you to come into my life and forgive me of my sins and take me to heaven. Thank you, Lord. Let God speak to your heart. I wonder if there's someone here this morning, you say, you know why you preached on knowing someone? I know some people and I've tried and they just, they seem so hard, but I'm not going to give up on them. Is there anyone like that could raise your hand and say, I have some friends like that. I have some family member. God bless you. And, and I'm not going to give up on them. I'm going to look for opportunities of felt need. Just a moment, we're going to have an invitation, and if God's speaking to your heart, you can come for a word of prayer. If God's speaking to your heart about placing your membership here at Grandview Baptist Church, if you've been saved and scripturally baptized by immersion after salvation, then you can be a member here. We're not a perfect church, far from it, but we're a group of people who love a perfect Savior. Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts now in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand to our feet. It's God speaking to your heart. 
Is there a spiritual decision you need to make? Let God do that for you. Let God do something in your life. Let God use each and every one of us. Share the gospel with others. Is God speaking to your heart about placing your membership in a church? Every Christian should be a part of some local assembly. It might not be this one, but God has a place for every single one of us. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm going to ask Brother Justin to take over. I, we have a young man who lives with us and uh, international student from Korea, and he has trusted Christ as his Savior, and he is getting baptized today, so I'm going to do the honors since he lives in our home, and so Justin's going to be dismissing the service and having the next video and all that good stuff. Oh, thank you, Pastor. What a great message. I hope we'll apply that and let God use it. At this time, we're going to show the next video, which will be several announcements coming up, and then pastor will get ready, then we'll have the baptism, and then we'll be dismissed. Good morning, and welcome to our service. We hope this morning's sermon from Pastor Mutchler was a blessing to you. Join us tonight at 5 for a special performance by the Grandview Kids who will be putting on a musical play entitled All About the Calm. Don't miss out this summer. Sign up for our email and text message updates by going to our website, grandviewcares.com forward slash connect. Mount Zion Baptist Teen Camp is August 1st through the 5th. The cost is $230 and that includes a camp shirt, activities, meals from Monday night to Friday morning, travel expenses, and more is for teenagers going into 7th grade up to high school graduates of this year. A sign-up sheet, camp brochures, and permission forms are available at the welcome desk. Also, if you would like to donate to camp or sponsor a teenager, please designate it on your giving envelope. For questions or more information, please see TJ Gardner. Mark your calendars for a church-wide outreach Saturday, August 6th at 10.15 a.m. Join us for a delicious breakfast and an opportunity to share your faith in our community. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon and we'll see you tonight at 5.
Okay, well, if you are, this is your first time today. Thank you so much for coming. Once again, we want to say thank you for coming. We do have a little gift for you on the way out. We want to connect with you. I saw several guests today, several returning guests. Thank you for coming. And several um, out of town just visiting with us. Oh, we're so glad you're here. I hope you'll consider coming back tonight. Our children have worked very hard on this program, and I really believe God's going to use it. And so let me encourage you to be here tonight, and we'll get ready for the baptism. This is Alex, a Korean student who lives with us, a wonderful Justin. guy. Oh, Justin. Why did I say Alex? <laughs> Alex is also a Korean student who lives with us. This is Justin. <laughs> I now baptize my brother in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Well, God bless you. Have a great afternoon. Please know God loves you and we love you. Take care. See you tonight.